Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. I'm Cassidy, one of your Indianapolis Colts cheerleaders, and you're watching the Believe in Colts podcast. What's going on, Colts Nation? I'm Lawrence Owen, back with another Believe in Colts. With me, as usual, is my guy, Donald Thomas. And Donald, the Colts, after a three-game slide, finally find a way to show a little life and overcome a one-win Panthers with Frank, former Colts head coach Frank Wright at the helm of that team. And, of course, as we all know, the number one overall pick in Bryce Young. What was your uh, initial thoughts after the game? Initial thoughts, I was excited and happy that they finally got a win after, like you said, the three-game slide. Um, I was more excited because – um, you know, the Colts usually play up or play down to their competition. And this was a game where they didn't play down to their competition. They didn't look at the record um, and play down to a one in six team at the time or whatever. Um, they actually came out and showed that they were a better football team for the most part, for most for most of the game. Um, and that's what I was most excited about. Um, and we'll get into it. But there was some some stuff that I did pick away, take away from the game. Um, that the Colts just need to clean up. But for the most part, I mean, satisfied with the win um, and, you know, just have to keep building on it. Absolutely. Now, before we get into it, as you said, I just got to remind everybody that BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, NFL, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember, use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So, the Indianapolis Colts defeated the Panthers, as we know, 27-13. to And this is a game that was like a flip from what we've seen all season long. I mean, the defense came out and looked pretty good. They got some turnovers. They got some sacks. They got some stops. They couldn't stop the run, but they only gave up, you know, what, uh, less than 300 total yards. I mean, they gave up, I think, less than 100 yards in the first half. Yeah. But the Colts couldn't get anything going in the second half. A total of less than 200 total offensive yards. Now let's let's talk about the offense. Is that something to be worried about against is this Panthers defense so good that you could go, well, you know, 120 yards passing and 78 yards rushing? You know, that's 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 something that we should expect because the Panthers defense is that good, or was there a, an issue there? Uh both, right? So um typically, like when I look at um bad teams, teams that have bad records, they don't have bad players. And so there's gonna be matchups where guys are gonna win their matchup, but overall as a team. They can't put it all together. Carolina is one of those teams where um, they don't have bad guys up front. Like they actually have a pretty decent defensive line, in my opinion, as an offensive lineman. When I'm looking at them, I think they really feel I really feel like they have a very decent defensive line. So when I'm looking at it from a standpoint of them shutting the run game down, um, them getting pressure on the quarterback, them not allowing the the, 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 the cheap plays and really hunkering down. Um, you know, they are able, they're a unit that's able to do that. They are able to slow guys down. The problem with 
Carolina is their offense um, as a whole, right? Bryce, Bryce Young is struggling, makes bad decisions. The offensive line is not great, um, as we saw in that game. Um, and then you have just kind of run-of-the-mill receivers over there. So um, when you flip-flop it, when you look at it, there's a, they have, I think they have, they have a way better defense than they do in offense. And so it kind of showed. Now, the reason why we see this flip-flop here in this game was because the Colts came out with their hair on fire in the first half. Like it was, I mean, DeForest Buckner was was a wrecking ball. He looked like, you know, uh, he was almost in a sense of he was disrupting the game so much those first few drives that he was looking like he was like unstoppable. And so um, you saw that early in the game. The defense really uh, took it upon themselves to set the tone for the game here. It wasn't the offense that set the tone, in my opinion. The defense came out and set the tone for real. Um, and the offense kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit in that second half. And quite frankly, you see it from a psychological standpoint is Carolina's tired of losing, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And when they know that they can kind of set a precedent, set a tone and, and, and be the defense that they're supposed to be to slow somebody down, um, you saw that the problem was there just wasn't enough firepower on offense on Carolina's part to counteract what the defense was doing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Right now, the Panthers have a total of 14 total touchdowns this year offensively. That's like uh, fifth worst in the NFL right now. Uh, but here's the deal, right? The Panthers also haven't scored more than 27 points in the game. Obviously, the Colts, against the Colts, they only scored 13. But Bryce Young hasn't had a turnover in the last two games prior to this game which was, you know, when I saw that set, I was, I was like, what? And then you get guys like our veterans, right? Which is Kenny Moore out there gets two pick sixes. That's that alone. That won the game for the Colts. I mean, if you want to go point for point, right? right, right. There's your 14 points. <laughs> That's your 14 points, two pick yeah. sixes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Alubi, the guy who was backing up Zaire Franklin uh, at the mic position, got him himself basically a game ceiling interception at the end of the game, right? Uh, so that that's that's huge. They had the the something that has been bothering Colts fans for the last three games has been the turnover margin, right? Uh, the Colts have been giving the ball over. Now, last week they gave the ball over only one time. This week they only gave the ball over one time. Uh, but prior to that, obviously four four turnovers and then four turnovers before that. This is a game where they ended up in the positives, three to one. And we talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. You have to win that turnover margin if you're going to beat any team in the NFL. doesn't matter if they have the worst record or the best record, right? In order to beat them, it's very rarely that you could defeat any team in the NFL by losing that turnover mar uh, that turnover margin right there. So uh, that that's huge. And – do you where do you credit do, do you credit the the turnovers those three interceptions that Bryce Young threw are those just really good defensive back linebacker play or can you credit the 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 pass rush from DeForest Buckner and those other defensive linemen for maybe making Bryce make some bad decisions and maybe throwing the ball a little early a thousand percent I mean it all goes hand in hand you know when you look at it from a standpoint of was Bryce under a ton of pressure when he threw those picks? Not really. But what happened was all the other pass rushes before that that had him rattled thinking that if I hold the ball for a little bit longer, they're coming. And I don't, you know, from a vantage point from the quarterback, 
you don't see exactly what he saw, but he might have seen somebody getting beat. He might have heard something. He might have felt some pressure that wasn't there that forced the throw just a tad bit early or it was a tad bit off target. Um, and so, you know, a, a veteran guy like Kenny Moore finally, you know, he finally wakes up. There's a reason why he's still in the NFL. Um, he wakes up and you can't make those mistakes against guys that have some savvy to him and have some, you know, experience. And so um, you get a guy like Kenny Moore and he's in the right position. You know, Bryce Young is is young. He doesn't know how to look off receivers. He's probably telling with his eyes. You know, sometimes like those DBs really can key off of where the quarterback's staring at, right, and kind of get to that spot because they know where he's going to throw the football. Whereas as, as opposed to I just remember when I was playing um, and I was in uh, Miami and I just remember I remember um, our offensive coordinator telling Chad, Chad Henney when he was a young guy, you have to look the safeties off. Look them off. Like you have to look them up because they're reading your eyes. They're reading your body language. They're reading the way that you, how you're set up, where you're going to throw the football. And so that was the thing that, you know, Chad struggled with in training camp and he finally got it together where he had to learn really, you can't do the, make these same mistakes from college into the pros because these guys are good. And I think Bryce is really kind of struggling with that kind of same, um, same, same issue when he's throwing these picks because you know, he's over here and he's not looking guys off. He's telling with his eyes, his body language, where he's going to go. He's forcing a throw. It's predetermined before he, you know, snaps the football, who he's going to. And so when you see that from young guys, two picks in one game, it isn't because, you know, they just, they, the receiver ran the wrong route. It's because you're not doing something on your end to help you out with just a small look off um, for, you know, for the DBs to kind of throw them off. So they don't know where you're throwing the football. The Indianapolis Colts gave up a lot of rushing yards defensively. Uh, now, they did very, very well against the pass. They only gave up 137 yards through the air, but they gave up more yards rushing, 138. And the big the big stat to me, as I'm looking at the stats right now, they gave up an average to you know this team of over five yards a carry. Now, the Colts, the last few games, have not been doing very good against the run. Now, you can you can you stack that to missing two very key pieces at the front seven in Grover Stewart and then of course Zaire Franklin missing the game this past week or is there a trend that that Colts fans should be worried about? Um, well, the the, the the problem is depth, right? The problem is depth as we see when a when a starter goes out, all hell can break loose. When I saw Zaire was not playing, I saw him on the sidelines with the hoodie on, and he was rooting guys on. I was like, we're losing a playmaker on defense for sure. We're losing a, a staple of the defense where guys are looking for him to make a play, get him going, what what have you. Grover is a different story. Grover is, you know, not that leader that Zaire is, right? But he's also a cog in the machine on defense where he's able to really plug up that middle. And now you're seeing that – because I'm going to tell you right now, when I used to play – it was a big drop off sometimes from the starter to the second guy, right? It was, you could get movement on the, you could get movement on the second guy. The starter doesn't move as much. He's in that, he's in that gap, right? He, you gotta, you gotta work to get him moved and make sure that you get him, get him covered up. And you're seeing that now with runs up the middle, Grover is really able to like anchor down. He's a big man. He's able to play. He uses hands well. Um, But the numbers are kind of screwed, right? When you look at it, you're like, all right, five yards of carry. But then you look at, from a standpoint of their longest, their longest, um, their longest rush was what twenty yards, and so 
it, I don't, I mean, your quarterback added 41 yards of rushing to the mix, right? Yeah. A lot of that is him scrambling, right? They're not running design QB runs for Bryce Young. So if I look at it, you know, 58, 39, my math isn't great, but it's not more than 80 yards, right? So um, when you look at it from a standpoint of or 90 yards, what have you, standpoint of that, like, we didn't do terrible against the run. Because I'm going to give Colts a, a, a bone here and say the QB runs, I'm just going to negate them. Now, if it was a Cam Newton or Anthony Richardson or, or um, a Lamar Jackson, that's true rushing yards. You see what I'm saying? Like that's true quarterback design runs where he the quarterback's running power. He's running outside zone. He's running – you know, see what I'm saying? So like – more Bryce's stuff is scrambling that turns into rushing yards. He's able to be elusive because he can use his feet well. But I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not solely gonna sit here and cause panic about the run game. A stop in the run. Well, I know you don't agree with me on this one, but I'm 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 gonna give the Colts fans a bone and the Colts a bone here and say all hell is I mean it's 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 not over against the run. Yeah, I I am going to push back just a little bit now. Say five years ago, I would have thought differently. I would have thought the same as you. But the way the league is moving right now with your mobile quarterbacks in the league, you have to attest to that mobility for the for the quarterback. They are a you know a player on the field. You have to be able to contain them just like you would a running back while you're pass rushing them. Makes it incredibly difficult. I grant you. But it's still part of the game, right? It's still there. You have to you have to account for that. Um, I I understand where you're coming from on the running back running back perspective. As the running backs, I think the Colts have been doing decently. Now Alvin Kamara is Alvin Kamara, right? And and then you know like you know, the previous week, and then and then of course you know Taysom Hill the previous week. That was that's Taysom Hill, uh, dude. <laughs> Dude does all kind of cool stuff back there in the backfield, especially at quarterback. But in a zone defense that Gus Bradley runs, it is meant to keep your eye on the quarterback and stop that, right? Stop those those scrambling runs. Now, I saw a lot more man coverage this past game than I have traditionally uh, over this past year. But at the same time, I mean they generally do a good job against quarterbacks. Bryce had, I think, two or three runs that went over 10 yards, right, in this game that that uh, really extended plays. And it's not like he can't do it. The Colts know he could do it. He kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Ryan Tannehill in that aspect where you don't think, you know, you don't design the plays for him, but he's got that ability to do so, right? right? Like what you're saying. So, yeah, I, I get I get where you're coming from, but at the same time, the way – the way the league is bending right now, I think you have to account for almost any quarterback, right, uh, in, in the run game. Um, here's something I, I really need to talk about. Defensively, Kenny Moore. Okay. Dude is having the best season of his entire career right now. I just saw a stat that came up where he um, – minimum 30 – or minimum 60 defensive snaps – which is what, about two games, right? 
yeah, about two games. Two. So anyone that's played at least two games in this league so far this year, yep. he has the best passer rating allowed, like the lowest passer rating allowed in the wow. NFL of all cornerbacks, not just Nichols, all cornerbacks across the league. That's holy crap, right? Now, a lot of fans talk about how, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. needs his contract extension because his year is up, you know, Grover Stewart, same situation, you know, his contract is up. No one's really made a lot of talk about Kenny Moore. His contract is up as well. And as we knew a couple years ago, you know, he threw a fit. He's like, hey, I'd like to get paid a little bit more for what I do. Now, last year, he did not play very well. The entire team didn't play very well this year. Those a lot of those guys that did not play well last year have stepped up and have played outstanding football. Kenny Moore being one of them, should he be a priority um, from the Colts brass right now to possibly bring back? Especially considering he's the only real veteran that we have in the in, in the defensive back room. Well, um, it is all depends on how much they value Kenny Moore. Do they value him like an Antoine Bethay? Do they value him like you know? Um, Bob Sanders, where he can, he's going to become like that staple, a cult staple, um, a veteran guy that's, you don't have to worry about. You can depend on him to be in the right spot, make a play, be physical. Um, you know, I don't, I can't, I can't really tell you that just because of the simple fact that I don't even know Ballard will be here after this season. And so when that happens, you have to just look at the simple fact of, okay, whoever, if Valor's still here, how much does he value Kenny Moore? So number one. Two is if they bring a new GM in, is Kenny Moore his guy or does he want to try to clean house with some of the older guys and get another vet in here that he feels is better than Kenny Moore? Um, and so from a, from a defensive back standpoint, you definitely need a veteran in that room. Thousand percent. I'm glad that Kenny is playing well or playing better than he has last year to this year. Um, and yesterday showed that, right? But I mean, so Sunday showed that, but at the end of the day, I have to put an asterisk next to it. Yesterday, a Sunday's performance. Now, when you look at it from a statistical perspective and you look at it from him having the lowest passer rating against him when thrown to him or his side or whatever, um, that's great. That's what you want to see from, from a veteran guy who you're paying some money to. So should Kenny Moore stay? I think he should. Will he stay? I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a crystal ball. And we're talking about the Colts here. We're not talking, you know what I'm saying? Like crazy things have happened in free agency and, and something like that. Um, as far as him getting, I don't see him getting broke off crazy to where it's an astronomical number. Um, but I think he'll, should probably be in the he'll be well over 10 million to 15 million dollar range for you know a couple years out a couple year contract um just to kind of bolster that keep him happy and then see if that fits into the salary cap but um as far as you know it just it's all up to the Colts front office and how they feel they want to value and, and see if they want to get new blood and a young guy or new blood and another veteran that might have some extra tread left on the tires as opposed to Kenny Moore. We'll talk about the Ballard situation in our uh, other episode that we'll be recording today for our midseason report. But yeah, Kenny Moore, I, I, look, he brings 
a lot to this defense uh, traditionally over the years. Uh, he's looking for his third contract. You know, he had that first contract um, extension after two years with the Colts because he was an undrafted free agent, originally undrafted free agent from New England, which then he came over to the Colts and then, you know, fought through special teams, became a, uh, a starter on defense, and then, you know, became kind of a star, then had a letdown year last year. That sounds very familiar for the Colts. A lot of undrafted free agents or late round picks that start off special teamers and then end up being starters on this team. I mean, we just talk about Zaire Franklin, you know, another one of those guys. We have quite a few of those uh, on this team that that seem to be able to to do that, and it, it's it's pretty impressive uh, to see to see stuff like that now. Second half, the Colts weren't able to move the ball hardly at all. I think they they ended up with like less than 50 yards total in the second half. Um, who does that go on? Does that go on Steichen and his play calling? Does that go on the quarterback? Does that go on the offensive line? Does that go on the running backs? Because the running backs, they were doing well. Jonathan Taylor was doing well. Zach Moss was doing well in the first half. Second half, there was nowhere to run. Uh, I think they had negative rushing yards in the second half compared to the first half. Uh, so what, 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 where's the blame go in the second half? I think the blame goes on everybody. I don't think it's just one person. You know, if, uh, if I'm up on a team that I should be beating and we go into, you know, the, the uh, locker room at halftime, we can't get lackadaisical. You know, we can't be – you know, just taking our foot off the gas here and just coasting to a win, it's not going to be that easy. So I feel like from a standpoint of play calling, play calling wasn't terrible. Play calling just wasn't going. Um, when it comes down to the offensive line, that's a thousand percent on them as far as them being a unit. And like what people don't understand is like the offensive line is like this big subculture. Subculture guys, they're not the most popular guys. They're not the most sought after guys. Everyone doesn't hang out with the offensive line. We kind of hang out with ourselves. And so when, 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 excuse me, but when shit hits the fan, right, we got to be the ones to kind of rally the troops and get everything going. I'm watching the second half and I'm like, there's no sense of urgency here. There's no pride in, in blocking. Like you just pretty much played a decent first half and then you come out and you play like you guys have zero camaraderie, no, no nothing. We can't get the ball going. We can't move a guy off the line of scrimmage. We have zero running lanes to open up. It was just something that it just it just it was a lack of want to on the part of the whole offense. Now, you know, granted the receivers are running routes, you know, hard as fast as they can, but it comes down to blocking, right? Blocking, running the football, controlling the clock. And granted, when you go out there and you kind of lay a goose egg in the second half, you might be happy that Kenny Moore had two two pick sixes, and the defense came out and kind of set the tone um, to not allow. Um, Carolina to get back in this thing but you know there is room for room for concern when you look at it from a standpoint of oh yeah we scored 27 points but 14 of them were off of two pick sixes so the score is really 14-13 against probably the worst team in the in, in, in the NFL worst well record wise right um, so when you look at it from a standpoint of that yes great win that's what I'm saying it's a great great to get a win but at the end of the day when you look at it from a standpoint of when you put all three phases of football together it wasn't a great game overall. 
it wasn't a great game. And offensively, it was probably probably one of the one of the more poor performances. In yeah. my opinion, I mean, we only threw for 127 yards. Yeah. Yeah. 127? I'm getting to Gardner Minshew right now. Okay, go ahead. Uh, okay, I didn't so, want to on that yet, but that's crazy. Yeah. So Gardner Minshew had 26 pass attempts. Um, what uh, was it about? The oh, about 66 percent completion percentage there, somewhere around in that general vicinity. Uh, 127 yards, one touchdown, no turnovers. Now I want to emphasize the no turnover thing because two weeks ago, you know. We were having issues with turnovers. I mean, he was turning the ball over left and right. He had one turnover last week, none this week. You know, so that that's a positive. But um, you look at the numbers, right? You look at the numbers and you see 17 to 26, 127, right? That says conservative as hell, right? That that legitimately says conservative as hell. Protect the football, don't take chances. But at the same time, you Got to take your deep shots occasionally to open up the run game. That could that's another aspect on why the you know the run game probably wasn't doing well in the second half because the deep shots weren't there. They didn't have to respect that. They just kept the safeties up, right? Uh, so that I don't know. You know, is, is that on Gardner Minshew or is that Shane Steichen calling the you know more conservative plays? I because I, I didn't see like a lot of those multi-movement pre-snap plays that, you know, you generally see from a Steichen play calling game, right? Where you see, you know, the wide receiver come over and then the tight end move. And you know, the only thing I saw a lot of is a running back going out wide and coming back, right? I, I, I saw that quite a bit. And that makes me a little bit nervous. But the fact that Minshew didn't turn the ball over, that's a huge positive. But the fact that he played incredibly conservative makes me makes me a little bit nervous because there's going to be teams out there that we have to get a little bit aggressive. I mean, come on. I mean, there's there's some teams out there that we're not going to beat by scoring only, you know, 13 points by the offense. I mean, it's just, we're, we, we can't we can't rely on, you know, 14 points from the defense every week. So. It makes me a little bit nervous, but I'm glad to see that he's only had one turnover the past two weeks. Well, there's it's kind of on, on, on both parties. It's more on Steichen's part um, that they understand Gardner's deficiencies and his lack of smart throws that he, he will make, right? He... Um, you know, one of the things that, that that he's struggling with is he is struggling with um, throwing the ball down down the field. And so, what are they going to do? They're not going to throw the ball down the field because they know that they don't have enough firepower, or they have don't, because like if you don't have a receiver that's going to go up and just get it. We don't have that. You see the the the, the, the catch that Keenan Allen made last night to go over ten thousand yards. Like, that was an incredible catch. I thought for sure he wasn't catching that ball when it was in the air. I was like, holy smokes. We don't have that. So they know that we don't have that on this on this roster. That's number one. Two is, you know, like, we're not going to take a chance. We know Gardner is good enough to manage a football game. When we get a little bit out of pocket here, we understand that there's a higher chance that he's going to throw a pick. So we're not going to do that. And three, Gardner understands that. 
He's a grown adult. He understands that he makes bad decisions with the football. So there's a lack of there's a lack of um, there's a lack of trust between Steichen, the coaching staff, and Gardner. There's a lack of confidence between Gardner with inside himself. There's a lack of trust between Gardner and the in in the whole receiving core. So there's a problem there, and I guarantee you that they all know about it. This elephant in the room, whether it's been addressed publicly in front of everybody or whether it hasn't, we're not dumb. Nobody's dumb. So we all know what it is. And when you go and you get into week eight, nine, ten, and you start to see the play calling completely shifts to where you're not even allowing me to do anything remotely close to throw the ball down the field, but a couple times a game, the writing's on the wall. So what does that do if, for, to me as a player? I understand that they don't want me throwing the ball down the field. They're okay with me averaging 4.9 yards throwing as an NFL quarterback in a game and throwing for 127 yards and winning a game and telling me good job. What? No, you tell me good job for not putting the game up is what you're telling me. That's what you're telling me. We don't have anybody else to put in. Just don't don't you don't mess it up for us because we know yeah. you can. Yeah, but it's bad. Big, when you when you read between the lines, it's not good. The big the big teller for me while I was watching the game is the amount of screen plays that we saw, not just on third down, but on first and second down. Wide receiver screens. A bunch of them saw that consistently, and it got so it got so like predictable that the defense was jumping them. I mean, they were jumping them. You were seeing guys getting tackled for four or five yard losses, you know, on screen plays, and that's not a good situation either. Well, if it's if, if if you're being so conservative that the defense can read and jump screens, then you need to change up your play calling a little bit. You know, I mean, straight up. There's not, but there's not, but so many formations that you could run a screen out of, because you got to have blockers in, in position. You understand what the play like down the distance, and there's something called film that everybody yeah. has. And everybody knows your formations and what can possibly come out of this. And if the players do half a decent job of just going to the facility, and the coach is telling them this, not even doing like film work on their own, you can sniff out a screen. Yeah, you sniff it out. So a screen, screens have a good screening football team is one where you don't know it's coming, number one, or two, you know it's coming, but they run it so effectively, right, that you can't stop it. And you can't rely on screens to be like your number one hitting plays in a game. Screens are like a good like um, supplement to your offense. They make you potent. They make you dangerous. They make defenses have to stay in certain defensive packages to, you know, be ready for the screen. Not the screen is like my safety valve to get me out of, you know, third and 10 or second and nine, like, or bad position. Like screen is a supplement to be like, all right, we were throwing the ball down the field. Oh, boom, hit you with the screen. Ha, huh? guess what that is? That's called we, we after you over football, what we, what we call it, right? So um, teams are ready for the screen. Teams are ready for the short, quick passes. They know that they're not throwing the ball down the field. And quite frankly, we just don't have that one or two big-time receivers that are going to go up and make and go up and get, get you know, get balls. So uh, offensively, we have some issues. In this game, all, you know, being that we won the football game, it really, really shows some, some extra chinks in the armor when it comes down to this offense and what we have 
personnel wise and really the psyche of our front office and our coaches and our play calling. Well, there's still half a year left. We got eight, eight more weeks, seven more games. So a lot of football left, a lot of football. Yep. Still a lot, lot to go with Colts are now four and five, one more win, you know, and they're a 500 team and they can get that win against, you know, the Patriots in Germany this upcoming week. So, uh, obviously it's Bill Belichick, you know, so we gotta, you know, keep it real. <laughs> uh, here's the thing though. I love Bill. I'll be the first to say it. Coach fans hate me for it and it is what it is, but, um, I love Bill for, as, as a person, he's a great coach and a better person when you get the chance to know him and see him every day, but that ship, that new England ship has sailed. I hate to say it. It pains me to say it just because I'm not looking at it from an organizational standpoint. I'm looking at it from a personal standpoint with relationships with people that I like between people that I know in that organization. And I hate to see, you know, I hate, I just hate to see people go out on a bad note. I hate to see that. I don't care who it is. I don't care if the roles were reversed and it was, I was coming from, you know, Indy to New England. Man, I was saying the same thing about Tony Dungy or somebody like that, right? You just don't want to see people fall off like that. So we can't just, you know, um, the win should definitely happen, right? Um, in Germany. In Germany, a win should definitely happen. I think, you know, Belichick will have a great game plan, but he just does not have the players to execute it. And that's the problem right now in New England. So, you know, I hate to see it, but we should definitely beat New England um, this upcoming yeah. Sunday. Hopefully we maybe we'll be able to do a preview. We don't know. I know that scheduling this later this week is going to be kind of tight. Uh, may not be able to, but we'll see what happens. Guys, I appreciate everybody here. Please don't forget, smash that like button, hit subscribe if you're not subscribed, and tag that notification bell so that you are notified next time we go live or upload a video as we normally do. And if you're listening to this on an audio podcast, please make sure you leave a review. It would help a ton. I'm Lawrence Owen. That's Donald Thomas. This was Believe in Colts brought to you by Bet Online. And as usual, go Colts. Go Colts. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.